Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Game Changers, brought to you by Watch Your Game. In this series, I aim to explore the minds of people working in the Web3 gaming industry. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Hi everyone, and welcome back to Game Changers. This week, we're talking to Sage, CEO of Corora Beasts. So Sage, what's your backstory? Hey, yeah, first of all, Excited to be here and, and talk to you, Gaspo. Uh, so yeah, my backstory. Well, uh, I have a very varied backstory. I've been a bit all over the place. Uh, I am a lawyer. I'm also a software engineer. I also was a professional poker player for over seven years. So I've done a bit of everything. <laughs> and now, of course, I'm a startup gaming studio founder. Uh, and yeah, I basically started studying law um, and then I, I left the career, basically, I froze it. I was really bored with it back in like 2006 or something with a poker boom. And I started playing online poker. I made a career out of that for seven years, was a professional sponsored player and a professional coach for like seven years before poker crashed. It, we had like a, something called the Black Friday when when the DOJ and uh, the FBI cut access to the US and basically we lost 70% of the market from one day to another. But I, I had to find something to do. I went back to finish law. Uh, I had like two years left. They accepted me back. I finished law. I worked as a lawyer as a couple, uh, for a couple of years in real estate law, in, in, in like big law. And uh, yeah, I was really bored with it, to be honest. It was not, <laughs> especially because of like the big law firm life you know like spending 12 hours a day uh, uh in an office and with an environment that's super rigid and um yeah started looking for other career paths found software engineering started studying that around eight years ago uh got into lambda school which is a u.s startup that teaches like software engineering and uh, computer science remotely i studied there for two years uh after I graduated, I found uh, I found that uh, work in a legal tech, so it makes both things that I knew, like law and and uh, software engineering. Started learning more software engineering then. Switched over to another uh, legal tech, a bigger one, uh, and then before starting Kuroro and Truda Studios, which is our gaming studios for Kuroro Beast, um, I was uh, working as tech lead. Software engineering first as an stack lead afterwards at Synthesis School, which is a Silicon Valley edtech startup. Um, it, it's a really interesting startup, actually. It was like the school that uh, Elon Musk had in SpaceX for his kids. This teacher, Josh Dan, that was the private school teacher for Elon's kids, he was uh, proposed by Elon to create like this uh, special program within SpaceX. He accepted, of course, after the last of like Elon's kids graduated, he had a lot of offers to turn this into a bigger product. And he started this startup uh, called Synthesis, which takes the core kind of subject of the of the school that they had and adds software to it and makes it massive. And, and it's a startup that's doing really well. It's uh, quite successful. And me and my co-founder, we were both tech leads. On that uh, on that company before leaving it to start Kuroro and uh, and Trident Studios full time. So yeah, <laughs> long story, but that's uh, that's me. 
No, it sounds very interesting. And there's a lot of threads that I'll definitely want to try and come back to. You have touched mm -hmm. on it slightly, but what is it that you're working on right now? Yeah, right now we are working on a printer collecting franchise and gaming ecosystem, we call it, called uh, Kuroro Beast. Um, someone described really, really well like this, like Web3 gaming ecosystems the other day. He called them like uh, an NFT MMO. Uh, I like the concept because when you're building this like Web3 brands from scratch and you have NFTs that you either sold or gave to your community and people are holding them, you are constantly balancing having a community uh, which holds these NFTs, kind of doing like live operations, releasing games, doing like fun activities with them. So it's like an NFT. Um, it's like a Web3 gaming ecosystem, NFT MMO, however you, you want to call it, that circles around these creatures uh, called Kuroro Beasts. And uh, these are these mystical creatures that people discovered in an inhabited island. Uh, and they're like, this, basically the world is realizing that there's this mi mi uh, mystical creatures that have like magical powers that live in this island. And a lot of people are interested in coming to explore those islands, right? Uh, that's like the lore and the backstory for what Kurobis is. In practice, people collect these beasts, they play games with them, and they participate in different activities around our community with those beasts uh, that involve uh, collectability or different kind of contests, games, etc. And sort of considering your background and the different places you've gone, definitely seems like you're always mm -hmm. hunting out excitement. Um, mm -hmm. Why did you decide to found your own game, and then why did you pick to do it in Web three? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I've always wanted to create uh, my own games. Uh, I've always wanted to have my gaming company. I think this is a dream that is shared by many, but but executed by very few. It's hard. Uh, it takes a lot of different kind of uh, expertise to kind of know how to put like a game and a gaming ecosystem together. I think that out of all the things that I've done, creating games is the most like complete discipline because you have everything. You have to do like story. You basically have to be like writing a story. Uh, you need to do like art. You need to do world building. You need to program. You need to do like programming, especially in Web3, in like three different kind of environments. So you need like backend, web front-end, gaming development, actually four, you need blockchain development. Um, you need to take care of an economy and build an economy from the from the ground up. So you're basically building, and also like you have, we have a, a big community as well that, that we also support. So you have to basically build a world from scratch, <laughs> you know, and a world that it's not only in paper, a world that people can actually interact with and it's like life. So it's such a multidisciplinary thing. Um, if I would have started this, of course, <laughs> with the Web3 component, uh, it would not have been possible, of course. But if, if I were to, to have started this, like, I don't know, after finishing law school, I would have lacked a lot of expertise in the startup and engineering side of things, right? In uh, economics and just like in... in yeah, for example. So I, I think like creating games is a very multi is a super like multidisciplinary thing. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It just 
we were building games as well at Synthesis. So the, basically the teaching methodology there at the startup that we were working on before is like building, uh, it's like teaching kids with games. They are called simulations, but they're games built in Unity or web technologies. So the same things that we use right now. So we also had experience like putting games together uh, and it, everything just clicked. Um, but that's really interesting. And one bit I kind of want to circle back to, which is very kind of Web3 focused, is in one of my earlier episodes, I talked to Sinjin, who's a founder of another game kind of in the ecosystem. And he worked at mm-hmm. Poker Stars and introduced Poker to Macau. Mm. And he saw some kind of connections between Poker and Web3 in terms of the ecosystem mm-hmm. and the economy. Is your mm-hmm. poker experience playing any part into into that? Are you finding any connections like that at all? So yeah, I mean that that's very interesting, and I've seen more people from from uh, poker stars and 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 that work there uh, that have come to to Web three as well. I know some guys at Mooney Mood, you know that that like Web three franchise uh, <laughs> being uh, developed by Keith Chab and this guy that, that is the creator of Pow Patrol, this Keith series, he also has, and, and his team, his tactical team comes from uh, poker stars. So yeah, the poker world was huge back then. There was a lot, a lot of very, very smart, talented young people that were leaving their careers to play poker. And the reason is very simple there was a ton of money to be made by playing poker, right? So th- there was a, a ton of money to be, to be made. And also there was a highly marked like skill component to it, right? So if you were better, if you worked hard, uh, you could really get to the top and you could make like a, a ton, a ton of money. So almost you could compare it to like uh, port superstars, right? So people were making like in the millions of, of dollars. And it was super entertaining as well. So I guess there's a big overlap there in that sense of like something that's new, that if you're smart and you're a hard worker, there's a lot of opportunity there. It's novel. Uh, it's a bit also, it has that like kind of like gambling component a little bit. Both NFTs have that. And, and of course, poker uh, has that intrinsically. So there's a lot of overlap there. So no wonder. I've seen a lot of people that, that were in, in poker in the early days transition to now Web3. Yeah. I did play poker. I obviously never got to any high levels. I, I, I think I stopped at uh, three fast fold tables on Poker Stars for, <laughs> um, I think I was maybe $5 an hour was my profit and most of that was coming back from rake back so wasn't half as uh, <laughs> wasn't anywhere near good enough to get into the the kind of the real money but i did enjoy it like you say and that kind of skill and the risk aspect of it was something that i, I really enjoyed in it oh well, yeah so i mean yeah i mean rake back was crazy right so the, there were people that were playing 24 tables at a time which was the the limit and sometimes like in more than one side and just like trying to break even, not make money or lose very little, but like they were making so much money from breakback just by creating this huge volume that they, that they would like then later get like a payback from. Uh, and that was their strategy, for example, right? Whereas the other people were playing like eight tables and they focused on like super high quality play. So there was also so many different formats, ways of playing, uh, you know, it, it was just like the wild west in a way, and and basically, yeah, people that that were smart about it that made made it, made a lot of money. And I think there's still a, a lot of people playing, but definitely there's not not 
as much uh, money or opportunity as there once was. And every day it's more like professionalized. So people studied with like GTO calculators and they play optimal and like the, the, the edges are very minimal. So yeah, it, it's, it's very difficult nowadays, I think. And then kind of pivoting away from poker towards other games, what game mm-hmm. would you say you've played most in your life? Oh, I played so many games so for so long. <laughs> so the only time that I've not been a, a huge gamer is for the past like six to seven years. Uh, because I've had two kids, I got married, I of course uh, was working as a lawyer, then I started studying software engineering on top of working as a lawyer, then I started my own company. So basically I've had not like had much time to play sadly, but back in the day, like uh, I'm I'm 36, so I'm old. <laughs> so I grew up with, of course, like the Nintendo at first. I had like my first console was uh, a Nintendo, then a Super Nintendo, then I changed into uh, into PlayStation. Uh, but really, when I started getting like heavy, heavy into gaming, it was in the early 2000s with uh, a Korean MMO called Hellbreath. Not many people know about that game. Uh, it's the the game that holds the biggest place in my heart just because it was like such a big part of my childhood. It was like a Korean MMO that was insanely grindly, uh, grindy like any other Korean MMO. So you had to play like for a year to get to max level. And like the, the, the top weapon in the game, like only one person in the whole server out of like tens of thousands of, pe- of people had it. When he walked by, everyone like gathered around him. So it was something like close to Ultima, but the graphics were a bit better and the PvP was a bit better. It was a sandbox MMO focused around like PvP. It's still to this day uh, in any MMO the best PvP that I've ever seen. And it's a system that's so simple. It's just your mage or your warrior. Uh, and then you, you can like fix stats to kind of create like hybrid builds or builds that are in the middle. Uh, but it's just that it's like you're either a mage, you're a warrior. There's this amount of like magic spells, and there's this amount of weapons, and you pick your build however you want. Like you build yourself however you want. But the combat is so uh, fluid, and it plays so well for PvP. So the game circled around that, maxing your character in the world. This like large scale wars. There's two towns. There's this big map in the middle called Middleland, <laughs> and everyone would like encounter uh the other town there you would be like uh ganking the 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 players from the other from the other town and some days you had like large scale scale wars and you were working towards something called a hero set which like you had to get over like a thousand player kills to complete the hero set and you looked super cool so everything like super 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 grindy but so good so good uh and yeah that that's probably the game the game in my life that i think the most time in but afterwards of course i played wow uh for a very long time as well i played uh ragnarok online for a very long time uh i played heroes of new worlds for a very long time and then i got to like a a semi-competitive like level i played like in a team which was a competitor with a league of legends at the time after dota right it was like heroes of new world or lol and lol was much more childish simplified and heroes of new world was like hardcore amazing graphics super hard like closer to the original dota and i like that a lot more it was super skill based and then well lol basically aided aided and then when dota 2 launched then heroes of new world 
closed, basically. Uh, played a ton of Counter Strike as well. I've got to platinum there, and a ton of StarCraft too as well. I've reached uh, Diamond there as well. So yeah, I, I mean, I played so many games in so many different uh, genres for 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 so long. Uh, so yeah, big big fan of the Final Fantasy franchises in terms of like single player games as well. Um, and yeah, lately the only game that I've really gotten to like sink a lot of time into in the in the last couple of years are more like roguelike kind of games because it's like easier to get in, get out. And uh, Hades has been for, by far my favorite, right? But I have like a bunch of games that I have not had the time to 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 dive into. So for example, the new Zelda, Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom, or Baldur's Gate Three, which I have now, but I know that I'll never fucking play, or Diablo Four. Uh, all those <laughs> those games. I played Diablo three for for quite a while as well. But yeah, all the, all those games. I have so many games that I have to like still play, and and I just will probably never find the time. Probably when I'm old, I'll play them. But yeah, I definitely uh, have the same thing in terms of buying games and not being able to play them. I would love Baldur's Gate three. I love playing D- Dungeons and Dragons. I mm. really would like to do it, but I haven't spent the money because I know for a fact maximum I could play like three four hours a week and it's just not enough like people get past you i mean uh, yeah there's people with like 100 200 hours like already you know and i'm one of of those people that gets really obsessed so i'm like i'm like really afraid of like (laughs) diving into the game you know uh because yeah i don't think i'll get anything done if i do it and i played Baldur's Gate one and two as well i'm a big fan of the franchise and of course i played divinity as well by, by Larian, which is the company that's doing like uh, Baldur's Gate 3 now and such an amazing game as well. Um, so I think that, yeah, I mean, I'm hearing a lot of comments of people saying like, this is like the best game that I've ever played. So I'm like, oh my God, no. Very jealous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very jealous. And I was like, think. yeah, with my founder, we were like, yeah, maybe like we should, we should, oh, sorry, Siri again. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. I can hear you. Yeah. Yeah. So with my founder, we were like, what if we schedule like three meetings a week of like one hour and then we play only during those times and we're like, no, we're not going to, we're not going to buy by that. You know, then we're gonna... yeah, some yeah of, it's hard. Some of the people I uh, do some of the content with, they literally down tools when Diablo 4 came out for like a week. It was just nothing got done on the website. Nothing came out or nothing. It was entirely Diablo 4. And I was like, oh, I've got kids. I've got an actual kind of web zero job i i can't keep up so i just just didn't get involved but circling back to uh corora beasts you're on arbitrum you're kind of within the treasure ecosystem how important is kind of picking the right ecosystem for you as a founder and what kind of things should be people looking out for within ecosystems yeah, 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 for sure. So I think it's uh, it's quite important, especially for the initial stages, at least for now, because like right now, uh, Web3 native gaming is so small that it's important finding your niche or where you have like the most chances of like a product or game market fit uh, and finding the right audiences for you that will like help you bootstrap your development at the beginning and be like your first like people say like your first a thousand true fans or or whatever that number is right because that's 
usually the hardest part. Like most projects struggle, like even taking off, even finding like 10, 100 players. So if you can find the right environment where you have that fit that will naturally have people in that ecosystem gravitate towards your your content, your game. I think that's very important. Afterwards, it's like your own responsibility or at least in the current state of Web3, like no publisher, no ecosystem will kind of give you the numbers that you really want to see right now, right? But but yeah, but for bootstrapping for, for the initial uh, stages, that which we're in, by the way, it's very important. So to me, pressure uh, is, uh, I don't know if, if, if they do it like, mindfully or not like i think they're trying to keep their options open in a way like being kind of like we're a, uh, basically a gaming uh ecosystem but i think you clearly can tell that there's a lot of uh there's a, a, a big fit with like more indie kind of games right uh and we are our games are more in the indie style more like triple indie kind of like more premium indie but still like indie so Yeah, I think there's a very good fit there with the kind of like audiences, what they like in Treasure and, and like the kind of games that we are building. So to me, that was like a, an obvious fit. Um, not the main reason, maybe. I mean, one of the main reasons we, we picked the Treasure, but not the only. Like the others are like how their communities rally behind, like to support all, all the games that are in their ecosystem and very important as well for us was like how much support and how much the treasure team actually cares and how much they help you right from when you're a smaller shop like us like you need all the help you can get and treasure definitely does that so yeah i mean just to to get it short i think it, it's super important to be in the right place and and we feel that treasure in arbitrum is that for us definitely I definitely agree with the positives from Treasure. I know I've done some work with them around content and some of the other games as well, and it definitely has that kind of support feeling, kind of that you're mentioning. Mm. Kind of, you touched on some challenges there, kind of as you're starting out. But what do you think is the biggest challenge facing the Web three gaming space at the moment? The biggest challenge facing the Web three gaming space. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a bunch, right? So. A lot of people talk about like friction. I don't think that's like the the, the biggest challenge. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges is well the overall sentiment of of people towards like uh, NFTs and Web three in general. It's uh, something that that kind of like. Creating games is already super hard. You have a very 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 low chance of success, and when you have a I, I don't think it's like the majority. I think it's like a very loud minority, but they're like the ones like producing content sometimes in to, for web two audiences and that really like care about this stuff are like so negative towards NFTs. It really like hurts your chances even more. Uh, so I think that's like a big challenge that, that, that we have right now, which is like, and you see it in practice, like a lot of games are trying to hide like their Web3 components when going mainstream or when trying to go mainstream and they publish like their game on Steam and they don't want to mention that they have NFTs or they can't and then they have to like circumvent and then they'll try to figure it out later how they add the NFTs, but they have these communities that actually hold their NFTs and it's like a, a very, very tricky uh, thing. So yeah, I think that 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 is one of the of the biggest challenges, how we change this 
like sentiment, how we educate people. Um, but yeah, I think that that overall, like the biggest majority, I was very impressed by a video that, that what's his uh, Twitter handle, Matt something, Matt Purse, something like that, who's like an, an Azuki holder, but he also does some like gaming content. I'm going to find his, uh, his handle later to share it. But he, okay, Mattiverse, so M-A-T-T-E-verse. Uh, and he went to like an, uh, an anime convention and he was showing people the like Asuki trailer. I'm not an Asuki holder. I don't care about Asuki, by the way. It's just like a, an, an example that, that, that I found very interesting. And he was like showing people the, the anime trailer for Asuki. And people were like, wow, that looks sick. That's amazing. And he was like, what if I tell you this is like a, uh, like a, a Web3 bread? What? Like, what is Web3, you know? Oh, it's like a, it has NFTs in NFT, so you know what? And like 70% of the people he was talking to, like they didn't know what, what NFTs were, what Web3 is. They don't have a clue, right? So there's a, also like a bit of a... Um, uh, we're a bit par- paranoid as well because like most people don't even know or really care what Web3 and NFTs are, right? But there's like this very, uh, I mean, loud minority, like I'm saying, that, that has big audiences and they're like very have uh, negative sentiments towards NFTs. And again, well, I think, yeah, Gabe Leydon is the one that says like, when you're a game developer, you're all the time like trying to find ways to survive because like the chances of failing are so big. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you see things like that, you feel that your chances of success are even slimmer and, and it kind of sometimes makes you like changes, uh, change your plans or, or things like that, you know? So that that's uh, definitely a, cha- a challenge, I think. Like, how do you present that? How you, how do you coexist or how you have your kind of web two and web three audiences coexist in, in a harmonious way? Yeah, I would agree with the majority of that. I think some of the problems are like I don't think Web three gaming helps itself. I think some of the games that get put out front are the ones that have kind of been rushed out, and so they're not exactly the ambassadors that maybe we would have chosen. Um, saw a video recently where someone, mm. like you say, from kind of the Web two gaming side, was reviewing some Web three games, and the yes. criticisms they had. They were like actual founded criticisms. They'd done research and everything. And it would be really hard to defend against them. And you're just like, ah, oh, I wish you'd found a dis- different game first. Like, I wish you'd found yeah. like a more quality game as your first introduction. No, I know. And and, and on my side, like yeah, this, uh, you, you might find this like even a bit like weird. I don't know, because like I'm not like a Web3 sellout, you know? Uh, so... I think a lot of the the, the questions that, that like web two game developers or content creators that criticize NFTs pose are like very valid questions. Like what real like use case is this solving? Like what's the real utility for NFTs? Why do we need that? Right? And and I think like a lot of that we have not figured it out yet, like well enough, right? So a lot of like their criticisms are justified in a way. Uh, what we're doing is like trying to innovate with these models and basically find ways of making it work, right? It's not like I, I, I'm not one of the of the people that pretends to to like, yeah, I mean, Web three, like, it's the absolute future. Like, this is the only way. Like, 
I think that it has, I mean, very obvious benefits. A lot of them are on the developer side, on our side, not on the player side. Like uh, people evangelize like about like real, true ownership and stuff, you know, people don't care. I mean, yeah, if they can, if they can sell their, their, their stuff after the, they're done playing, even at a loss, but like recuperate some of the money that they've invested, that's amazing. I, I myself have left many MMOs and more than once I like, in black markets, let's call it, or, or uh, in, via illegal methods for the games. I sold my accounts or my items when I, you know, because you kind of like have so much time synced and invested. You want to like have some of that back and, and owning cool items that you can trade also is super amazing, all of that. But I think that probably most of the advantages are on, on the developer side. And and I don't know if like a lot of people are transparent about it, <laughs> but, but that is the truth. And, um, and yeah, I don't know. We're just trying to find ways of making it work. I think it does have like a lot of advantages for players, but like you're not going to get anywhere trying to like evangelize and trying to shove down people's throats. Like, yeah, true ownership, like NFTs are the future. People are just sick of that. And they see like scams day in, day out, scandals in crypto and NFTs like day in and day out. So like, they're like, yeah, I, I'd rather not touch this, right? Uh, so... Yeah, I think a lot of the, of the criticism is justified, actually. And most of the people, especially like when you see big, big Web2 gaming studios that still keep coming to Web3 and you're like, why? But like people are trying to escape this. Like, why are they coming? Well, think about that because it, it does offer and has proven to offer some amazing advantages on the developer side, right? So that's uh, mostly why, why a lot of people are doing it, basically. I think that for the Web2 studios that once they see that there's money for them that's what will bring them across um and i i think it will take a passion project's probably a bit rude but someone doing it like an indie studio doing it because they love the tech and they want to use the tech rather than because of benefits i think they'll show how it can work and then web2 studios and developers will get a taste and then that's when they'll come in i don't think they'll come in and do the main push to mainstream i think they'll wait because they don't need to risk it right now they can wait and let someone know but, but you see like square enix you see like singa just to give like two examples of massive companies that are like actually building in web3 and have already announced web3 games uh and the reason for it is basically it's not only like making huge money like upfront, like you what you saw like early on with like pixelmon or or uh, what was this uh, raid party, things like that, that made like 70 million, 50 million in a day. And that, that those days are over, right? We don't have like the market conditions for that. Like means are incredibly hard. It's It has more to do with like lowering user acquisition cost, I think, and uh, improving retention rates and having better LTVs for the players, which is like the... In interesting things that some big web three games have proven to be true that is what interests like this huge studios that invest hundreds of billions in acquiring users and keeping them around and and they're seeing like hey actually when people have like a, a even if it's like a little piece of your of your game that they can like then monetize uh they are more likely to come to your game like without uh, us having to spend so much on marketing or they're more likely to spend more money. They're more likely to come back the next day, right? 
So I think those are the things that people are like experimenting with and these big studios, they're allocating like a percentage of their budget to run these experiments with games and see like how that plays out, right? Uh, most of this like has been uh, led still by Axie, which is like the, the, the only like huge Web3 uh, game. And yeah, I mean, there's something there that, that Web2 studios are still interested in because like every day acquiring users is harder. Every day it's more expensive. Uh, and yeah, and and the other thing, the potential for in Web3 having like potentially a much higher ceiling for in-app purchases and all those, those kind of things, you know? So in the end, it's money, man, it's money. <laughs> and, and then there's these other games that of course are like built by Web3 native projects like ourselves, uh, but we're kind of like, trying to find that middle ground where do we stand between like web 2 and web 3 and we're like kind of like a web 2.1 web 2.2 almost uh, and then you have like this directly web 3 games such as like the midnight midnight highs and cyber stadium by kicks they're trying to innovate doing like web 3 gaming every transaction every movement is like a blockchain transaction there's interesting things for that for sure but i mean we all know that that's not gonna be massive anytime soon right um but yeah, what we're doing personally is like, we started as a Web3 project. We're never gonna turn our backs into Web3 because that's like our explicit promise with our community and with our audience. Uh, and we have NFTs and basically what we're trying to do is find the right balance between like focusing on having a good game, also providing this kind of layer of ownership and uh, collectability of digital goods that then you can trade, but have not that intervene directly with like the quality of gameplay, right? And that balance is, is basically, a lot of people are trying to do that, I think, and, and it's a hard thing to balance for, and that's like what we're trying to do. 100%, making something Web3 just for the sake of it, and it could then make it difficult for the actual gameplay for the player is just a mistake that we've seen projects fall into because they're so in love with web3 i think picking the right place is kind of key to making it accessible for more people for sure exactly but but there's like all kind of different reasons why you would, would have web3 right so again for this like massive studios like they're seeing like opportunities to spend less right <laughs> and earn and earn potentially more per user uh for us it's like we started web3 right and this is like part of our ethos and there's other that that that, that are like oh we're fully decentralized and we want to have a game that's fully like on chain and so there's like different reasons why someone would would like have a, a web3 game right and we've kind of touched on the future a little bit but what are you excited for in the next three to six months oh uh, yeah i mean about uh in, in, in <laughs> being a bit like uh self-centered here i'd say i mean i'm very excited for a lot of the things that we are building and we're experimenting with we have uh one game that's currently live in early access called beast brawl which you can play at battle.cororo.com uh it's being played right now we have like have like 3,000 players and peaks of like 500 daily active users during this event like playing the game uh so it's going like decently well people are enjoying it we're working on now like a mobile port for the game adding new mechanics and now adding more content to it uh we're releasing 
our main game, which is the one that we have invested the most resources in, uh, which is called Kuroro Wilds, which is a creature collecting RPG. We're releasing that in the next couple of months in, in its alpha version. And a lot of most people in our community are actually waiting for that game. I think it's going to be very successful. We're innovating with a lot of like mechanics in terms of gameplay, not like blockchain kind of side of things uh, that that's a given, but we are like innovating with actual like gameplay mechanics within the creature collecting genre. And I think could help this game become like a massive success, even though it, if it's like a, a more like indie style game, it has some things that you have never seen like in the creature collecting genre and that can really like fall people's attention. So I'm very, very excited for those two things the most. Uh, we're also releasing like a profile picture project for our community, uh, which is looking amazing as well. And yeah, basically I'm very excited for these things that we have been working on for the last few years to be released and to start like experimenting with them. Right now we have, like I said, Beast Ball Live is going well. We have a couple daily, uh, hundred daily active users. And we're experimenting like new mechanics, community mechanics and stuff that, that have proven to be very uh, fruitful in, in terms of like maintaining engagement and keeping people people entertained. So yeah, I mean, that, that's what I'm the most excited for in terms of like what we are doing, right? Uh, in terms of the space, yeah, I think there's a lot of games that have been building for the past two, two and a half years and are ready to be releasing like their early access, their alpha prototypes. And a lot of them are looking super high quality. So I think there's a big wave of high quality Web3 games coming. Um, I'm not so sure about that thesis of like one Web3 game will bring, bring like mass adoption for everyone. Like, I don't know. I'm more focused on like us doing our thing, us doing like a, creating like a good game that we can like, uh, bring people in by our own merit rather than 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 by by what others are doing, you know. But I'm very excited to try those out because like there's a lot of things that we have not figured out and a lot of people have not figured out. And with with this new games launching, we'll kind of have uh, good examples of things that hey, this works, this doesn't work. We were thinking about this right. We're, we we need to change direction here, and yeah, it's basically more data, right? And that's what we need. Sounds like a very exciting few months ahead of us. And I definitely look forward to seeing the new one as well as playing the current alpha for the Beast Brawl. If people want to know more about what you're up to and about the project, where's the best place for them to follow you? Yeah, basically on Twitter. Uh, Twitter uh, slash or at uh, Kuroro Beef. Uh, we we couldn't get the, the one with, uh, with the yes at the end because... It was an account that we created back when we started the project in November 2021. And I think it grew so big the initial couple of days that Twitter like banned it. <laughs> and it's rather than waiting for it to like get unsuspended, we were like, hey, we have all these people that are tweeting about us and they're coming into this Discord. Let's, let's just create like this other handle and be on die that we never try to, to get it back. So at Kuroro Beast without like the, the final S uh, on Twitter would be the best place. And now we're working on uh, our TikTok. So we have TikTok, uh, which is also at Corobeast, and our Instagram, which is at Corobeast as well. And yeah, we want to get more active, especially on TikTok. It's basically what's uh, shown 
in the gaming market at, at least to be providing like the best results so we want to focus more on that well i look forward to seeing the beasts dancing around and whatever they're going to be doing on uh, tiktok yeah <laughs> we'll just we'll be boomers trying tiktok and like say uh, if we have to dance we'll dance yeah don't worry <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's uh, been great talking to you and i'm sure i'll catch you around in the space yeah felix it was uh, amazing talking to you Thanks for being so generous and having us. And uh, yeah, thanks so much. Man. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for more insights into the world of Web3 Gaming. And if you need to experience more Web3 Gaming content, search for Gaspo WD on all content platforms. And remember to look for games that you enjoy. I'll see you next time.